Hi, my name is Van, and you're listening to my daddy's podcast, The Morgan You Know. I uh, love the show, and you should check out my buddy Rod Morgan's pod, The Morgan You Know, as I'm confident he's primed to make some waves on the scene. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Morgan You Know Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Morgan. This podcast is executively produced by James Jamriska. Joining me, as always, my co-host in life and my co-host on this podcast, the Mrs. Morgan You Know. Kate, hello. Hello. We are here to discuss the Beatles. There are many different topics that I've always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to tackle on a podcast once I got my feet underneath me here with this wonderful Morgan You Know podcast that you're listening to right now. And the Beatles was always right there at the top of the list. I fancy the Beatles to be my favorite band which I find incredibly odd considering they broke up numerous years before I was even born. But I was looking back at a timeline recently, and I think it sort of helps speak to how the Beatles were my favorite band, even though I was born in 1980 and they broke up in late 1969, early 1970, depending on how you want to think about the Beatles actually breaking up. The Beatles Blue Album compilation CD was released in 1993. Okay, this is a big, huge, we all had them, right? You had the Red Album, that was the 64 to 67, and you had the Blue Album, which was 67 to 70, double CDs. And when I was 13 years old, you had to be cool and have that. Then when I was 15 years old, the Beatles Anthology Network Television premiered on ABC. Then that DVD box set was released in 2003 when I was 23 years old. The Beatles' Love Cirque du Soleil residency in Las Vegas kicked off in 2006 when I was 26 years old. The Beatles' rock band game for PlayStation 3 came out when I was 29 years old in September of the year 2009. In late 2017, when I was 37 years old, I was still getting excited about Beatles music being released on streaming services. And just November of last year, the Get Back documentary series premiered on Disney+. Plus. I still think the first time I remember hearing the Beatles, I was a junior high kid, and I automatically understood them as the greatest band of all time. Mrs. Morgan, you know, do you remember the first time you heard the Beatles? I don't remember the very first time I heard the Beatles because the Beatles has been the background music of my life for as long as I can remember. Because even if it wasn't my immediate understanding that they were the greatest band of all time, it was my mom's. And so my mom listened to the Beatles always throughout our house. And so I think they were the first band I ever really heard. It was the Beatles and Motown. That's what played through my house growing up. And it was just kind of ingrained in me that they were the greatest band of all time. Yeah, see, my parents, the uh, the wonderful uh, Judy Morgan, who you've heard on this podcast before, and the uh, senior, uh, R.I.P. senior, they weren't huge Beatles fans. So I had to come about Beatles the way that I, all of these different ways that I just spoke about was the way I had to come about the Beatles. I find it amazing that so many bands that I do love that came up through the 90s, right? Your Pearl Jam, so many bands that I love from the 80s that came up from then. They weren't getting network television specials, right? Sure, they were getting a lot of greatest hits compilations released on CDs because everybody released CDs, but DVD box sets, a residency in Vegas done by Cirque du Soleil, a video game based around their career, right? Just a huge thing to their music being released to streaming services. This doesn't happen for any other band, 
right? These are all huge landmark things that happened for the Beatles, and I just find it amazing that these four lads from Liverpool, to borrow a phrase that you hear so often, were able to accomplish all of these things. So with the rest of this podcast, we're going to try to get into some of maybe the reasons why. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the Beatles is because they were the soundtrack of everything as I was growing up, I was never as in love with them. In my junior high and high school years, I started learning more about other bands and fell in love with the Rolling Stones and really sort of went in that direction. And so it wasn't until I met you that I started falling back in love with the Beatles and and started really honoring the music and the majesty of who they are as a band. Yeah, that's one thing that's going to come up as we talk about the Beatles throughout here, I think, is that the Beatles wrote a lot of these songs when they were young, but they had so much understanding of the world and so many lyrics full of wisdom that as you get older, I think you gain more respect for them. But of course, their musicality and their ability to write tunes and harmonize is unmatched, and that's what makes them the best. So in just a bit, we're going to welcome friends and musicians Matt Record and Gig Guy Warner to discuss the Get Back documentary and some of our favorite Beatles tunes. But first... We're joined by a very, very special guest, my mother-in-law, the mother-in-law you know, Mary Rooney, to discuss the time she saw the Beatles live when she was 12 years old. So stay tuned for Mary to relay that story, and then we're going to come back with Matt Record and Gig Guy. All right, we're going to take a quick little sojourn before we bring on some musicians to speak a little bit more about the brilliance that is the Beatles, but what better way to understand the Beatles than to talk to someone who has seen them live in concert. Not even a whole lot of people that were around during the Beatles' heyday got a chance to see the Beatles live in concert. But the mother-in-law you know, my lovely mother-in-law, Mary Rooney, was lucky enough to see the Beatles back in the day, and she is here now to tell us the story. Mary, hello. Hello, how are you? I am doing lovely. I'm here with your lovely daughter, and we are excited for you to tell us about your experience seeing the Beatles. (laughs) Okay. So, Mom, I know that you don't think that this is a huge deal, but we think it's a very, very big deal. And I love this story because I love how you acquired the tickets. I love the story of you going there. And so I was very hopeful that you could share it with us. Sure. Um, Well, start out with my mother, who was always such a good, she was such a good mom. Anyway, she bought tickets for us to see the Beatles. Uh, She didn't tell me about it at first. Um, and we, when I found out about it, she just, I couldn't believe the exorbitant price of something like $11 and 35 cents a ticket, something like that. <laughs> Unbe- unbelievably low. And what uh, was the year again, mom? And how old was, were you? It was August 12th, 1966. I was 12 years old. So I'm giving away my age here. 50, what it was 56 years ago. Unbelievable. Anyway, um, so she bought these tickets, but first, of course, she had to ask my sister's friend, Mike, if he would go with us because, you know, respectable young women do not go out alone. At, oh, God forbid. Times. God, God forbid. forbid, you know. Was he, was he a professional so, chaperone? Did he have a business card? <laughs> he, he was, was just a, a neighbor boy with a car. <laughs> he was just a really nice guy. My sister was seven years older, is still seven years older than I am, so she was almost, she was about 20, uh, almost 20. She would have been 20 that November, and uh, Mike was already 20, I believe, and he took uh, us, and I took a friend along, and um, that was the only way that we could go, is if Mike could chaperone us. 
make sure that nothing happened to us in the big city of Chicago. It was at the International Amphitheater, um, which is a big stockade area where they used to show cows and horses and everything else. And the Beatles. And, and the Beatles. Yep. And the mm-hmm. Beatles. And uh, opening acts. The opening acts. Opening acts. Thank you. <laughs> uh, were Bobby Hebb. I don't know if you know Bobby Hebb, but the song Sunny. Not familiar yeah. with that one. Right, right. He opened for them, and so did Circle. Um, uh, they were a little group. They were good. And uh, they showed up for him, too. And uh, the place was packed, and it was very, very noisy, and I just had a really tough time. We were on the main floor, couldn't see a whole lot uh, from where we were sitting. And it was so loud in there, I couldn't even hear the music. It was ridiculous. I was never a screamer. <laughs> So we, uh, I noticed that Mike had gone off somewhere, and I thought, well, where's Mike? And Judy, my sister, just kind of shrugged her shoulders, like, I don't know. And he came back, and he signaled to us, follow us, follow, follow me, follow me. So we left, and we went to the back of the amphitheater and around a side hallway, and um, we ended up off stage, just... There they were, right in front of us. Wow. And it was just, we couldn't see, I could see Ringo really, really well. I couldn't believe how blue his eyes were. That's how close we were. Was he smoking at the time? Because in the Get Back documentary, he's smoking all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Not while he was playing drums. (laughs) Um, No, so, uh, and then you could see uh, George and, well, you could see the other three, lean forward into their microphones, but we couldn't see them very well. I could only see Ringo because he was elevated above the stage. And uh, then we just um, stood there, and then somebody came by and said, you need to leave. Okay, that was, that was the, the, the security back then. We got all the way back there, got off stage, yeah. and we were allowed to stay there and watch them for a little bit. And never would said, happen today. No, never. never, would never today. You never even get remotely close no, today to no. something like that. Mm-hmm. I would imagine things like that started getting a little friskier for even the Beatles, and that's probably why they decided to start making their decision to not tour anymore. Yeah, very, very possible. I don't know, but it was, it was exciting. It really. Well, let was. me ask you this: Do you remember the song they opened with? <sighs> probably, I want to hold your hand, or she loves you. Maybe she loves you. That may have been it. Did they do any, uh, was there any point where the, the, the screaming girls would calm down and like they had a chance to interact with the audience? Because no. Mrs. Morgan, you know, and I, we go back and forth on this. I love when a band interacts with the audience and she doesn't care for it. Yeah, but no, they, no, they just kept going. I mean, they tried to speak as much as what they ever did back then. But um, oh, the girls were just, the, it was just, it was, you couldn't hear anything except the screaming. And uh, that's why I'm glad that Mike found us a way to, to the side so we could see them and hear them a little bit before we had to go back to our seats and not see them and hear them. So, Do you remember what they were playing when you were to the side of the stage when you could see and hear them? I think it was She, I think it was she Loves You. Okay, or, that's or, the one. Yeah, it was one of the most pop, one of their big hits, yeah. So now, one of my favorite parts of the story that you didn't tell was when when Grandma bought the tickets and Grandpa said, what? You're paying that kind of money? And she said something to the effect of, 
I have a feeling about this. Oh, yeah, she, oh, that's right. She did. She said, I just have a feeling about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy was the greatest. Really? Dorothy was the greatest. She was. Really, Dorothy? Really? <laughs> You're the great soothsayer of our times, right? Yes. yes. I was going to say, what, did she tell you any other bands? Were you able to like make future plans on any other bands? Did she tell you that Apple computers were going to be big in the 80s? What other kind of knowledge do we get out of her? That's too funny. <laughs> no, uh, she knew that I loved the Beatles and the Beatles only for a long, long time. And it was just a long time before I saw another concert just because I didn't care to go. But uh, it was nothing like them. There was nothing like them. So now all these years later, seeing the Get Back documentary, which I know you and dad have watched, uh-huh. like, what, did, what did it mean to you now oh. watching that? And how did you feel watching that? I, it came to me how brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant those guys really were. And, yeah. you know, I, I lost a little bit of respect for John Lennon because he did a lot of goofing off. Um, and Paul was so incredibly serious about everything, and so was George for that matter. But the way that they would just pick up on a beat and just start in, and that's how all their great songs were written. It just amazed me. Absolutely amazed. It made me develop a similar kind of respect for Ringo because the way that he would just fall in with it too. Like, okay, I know I need to carry this beat and I know where they're going with it. And I can sit back here and like Rod said, smoke my cigarettes and just get where I'm supposed to go. (laughs) I can get them. I can get them to where they need to be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, he was great. Ringo was the, uh, he was the sneaky backbone of the Beatles. Not enough people give him credit, but he was the sneaky backbone of the Beatles. Like I was a professional musician, showed up, kept the beat, didn't have to be the star, which I think is a big key for the Beatles. So that is absolutely wonderful. And I love that you, you said yourself, you gave away the age, but I love that you, it almost sounds like you saw him a week ago. That's how much you can remember (laughs) it. And that's how special the Beatles are. I wish I could remember more. I really do. But that's just my brain. Thanks for sharing that with us, Mom. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll have the mother-in-law you know back on sometime in the future now that that you've come on. Okay. Take (laughs) care. All right. We are back. We just heard from Mary Rooney all about someone who saw the Beatles live. Kate and I don't know how to play music. We haven't seen the Beatles live, so we thought it might be a good idea to have a couple of musicians on this podcast, a few guitar players, a few gentlemen who have written songs and put out recorded music themselves. Mr. Matt Record, anytime we are talking music, is going to join us here on The Morgan You Know. Mr. Record, hello. Rod, how's it going, buddy? Thank you so much for coming on and being willing to talk Beatles with us. And we're going to bring on somebody who you may have heard on the Yeah We Know in the ring with Jimmy and Hot Rod Wrestling Podcast. He's making his debut on the Morgan You Know Podcast Network. He is our guy, Gig Guy Warner. Hello. Hey, you bloody blokes, who's ready to talk about the Beatles? (laughs) All right. All right. He's coming in hot. He's coming in hot. We are excited. The Beatles documentary get back is what prompted so many of us to start thinking about the beatles again and listening to their music but let's just start big picture mr record i'll go to you first what intrigues you about the beatles are you more drawn to their lyrics or is it the musicality of the band do you think for me it's definitely musicality though i do like the well i guess harmony the vocal harmonies are fantastic so that i guess that's more uh musical tied into the lyrics but they of course have great lyrics but for me it was always the the guitar playing and the songwriting really first and foremost 
Mr. Record, we heard you, or Mr. Warner, excuse me, gig guy, we heard you coming in playing your acoustic guitar. Is it all about the uh, the guitar work for the Beatles, or is it something else? It's a mixture of both. It's the it's the harmonies, it's the words, it's the music. I like to think of the Beatles music in their catalog as a living, breathing entity. And every time I hear this music, it just grows or, or something jumps out me at, at me that I've never heard before. And it's just, I was thinking about this, and it's a mixture of everything. I can't put my finger on what it is, but the Beatles got it all going on. The Mrs. Morgan you know. I know that the Beatles have evolved quite a bit in uh, in your life. You're growing to uh, appreciate them a bit more now. So what is it that intrigues you about the Beatles in this current moment? I think it's always the musicality of any musician that first draws me in, and I think that's the same with the Beatles. But I think that I've caught on to their lyrics faster than I have with other musicians because, like Warner said, of their harmonies and the way that everything just seems to flow together so seamlessly, but interestingly, at the same time. Yeah, Mr. Record, I know you've uh, you've written a song or two in uh, in your day. Is it is it just amazing to you the 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 grasp for just timeless lyrics that these guys came up with at such a young age? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy how how young they were when they started and their whole career and their relatively short career. And it's just I feel like maybe back then it was it was more so this way, but it was almost like if you're treating music as a job and you're just writing hundreds and hundreds of songs, they probably wrote hundreds of terrible songs. But because they did it so much, they just like, you know, obviously there was some some type of crazy lightning strike there in Liverpool. But beyond that i mean just uh, it's incredible what they wrote and for this movie you know which is at the very end of their career they're on their like mid to late 20s it's just it's crazy that how young they were and how much they accomplished and like how are you that profound that young right like how do you know these life's lessons that have carried on through generations i didn't know shit when i was in my 20s like mm-hmm. i couldn't have said anything profound then at all i still don't know that i can at 40 <laughs> and and here they are just whipping stuff out left and right on all these albums telling us the ways of the world and a gig guy are you are you intrigued like i am what mr record just said right there would you like to hear bad beatles songs from the early days playing the cavern club up there in germany i'll tell you what i was thinking about when you guys were talking about that is the song one after 909 they wrote that in like 1960 or something 1961 if you think back to anthology uh edition one that song's on there one after 909 and they wrote it when they were teens you know and then fast forward to let it be and they're putting it on their final album release and it was just it had, it had evolved from 1960 to 1969 so much it was just it was just yeah let's do one more let's do one more beatles big picture uh question here uh mr record before we move on what would you say is your favorite beatles album i know that's i know that's awful tough but they kind of have two different different eras right you got early beatles you got later beatles what would you say your favorite album is yeah i mean i would have to go with abbey road because that's the album I discovered when I was like a junior in college and was just like blown away and hadn't really got into the Beatles because I more knew them for their early stuff and I was kind of like, oh, it's bubblegum stuff. I didn't really appreciate that, but I also wasn't too super aware of their later stuff, which to me is just way better. And, you know, they evolved so much and changed. And so Abbey Road, just the way that it flows together and everything, I, I would have to pick that, though. There are several that are close. 
I completely agree. Abbey Road is one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums ever, ever composed and written and performed. And I think it has such a bearing on our life. Um, oh, Darlin' was the song that Rod and I danced to at our wedding, our first song. Um, we had it playing. The entire album was playing when I gave birth to Van. He was born to Golden Slumbers. And that that entire album just means so, so much to me. And I, I still don't think it's beat by much. I used to annoy my neighbor, my next door neighbor. I'd, I used to put on a CD and I'd hit memory repeat on Mean Mr. Mustard, and I'd blast it as loud as I yeah, could. Yeah, you did. So yeah, for like did. four or five hours straight, Mean Mr. Mustard would just play <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> Take that, jerk neighbor! That would be the song you'd choose from that album, too. <laughs> well, so uh, so uh, not uh, not trying to annoy your neighbor, gig guy, what, uh, what Beatles album do you find yourself uh, gravitating to the most? Well, my favorite one of all would be the White Album. There's just so much variety in that album, and they all... And they, they all did their own little thing and they all put it together and it's just a good collection of songs. And I mean, some of my favorites on then on that upcoming list are all from this album, quite a couple of them. So the white album is uh, is awfully tough to beat. I mean, you got, you got so many tracks there, like you said, to choose from on that one. And a couple of my songs that we're going to put on this playlist at the end of this podcast come from the white album as well. But I actually, I'm going to go with, you can accuse me of recency bias, but I find myself listening to Let It Be so often now because you've got Paul ballads, right? So you got Paul doing his thing and you just have some absolutely rocking songs. And Mr. Record, I think it speaks to what you talked about, the Beatles evolving, right? By the time they got to Let It Be, these guys were just doing so many things. And you talk about how people associate Beatles with bubblegum because they do, right? Some of their more favorite songs come from their early days. But you want to hear everything that was going on in rock and roll in the late 60s, early 70s. The Beatles were doing it on Let It Be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting to me, too. Like, there's a real kind of, um, I don't know what to call it, but like a real turning point, which was probably due to dropping LSD, where it just every, the whole, the music expands and it's like, it's crazy. And then, then they changed, you know, everything really with culture and, and the music in general. See, I think it was the grass when they got into the grass. Mm-hmm. I, I, the quote unquote grass. <laughs> I think that's wacky, what changed, but the yeah. wacky yeah. tobacco. You could, yeah, you could be right there. Well, so I, I let it be leads us into get back the documentary, which was of course a three part series over six hours of never before seen footage recut by Peter Jackson, taken from the original Michael Lindsay Hogg documentary. And uh, let's just start with something kind of fun. Mr. Record, who was your favorite non-Beatles character that appeared throughout the course of Get Back? There's several, of course, but I'm going to go with uh, probably a lot of people's, but the roadie mall was just awesome. And the way that he kind of, um, they would dictate the lyrics to him and he would write them down and pass them out and like go get tea. And I mean, it was it was awesome just to have somebody like that but also that's like your buddy that you're comfortable with and he's like lighting their smokes for him and stuff i mean just fantastic he was like a cool butler listen when you talk about (laughs) when you talk about mal evans all right you're talking about a guy who was a former telephone engineer who worked as a part-time bouncer at the cavern club okay and then became Uh. the beatles road manager and then gets an album credit on Maxwell's Silver Hammer because he's the guy banging the big uh, sledgehammer against the anvil in Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Ah. 
Didn't know that. He was going to be my guy. If you don't know, I did a little bit. I did a little research on my guy. Kyle Evans. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mr. Record. You just said you just took my guy there, but that's all right. I can pivot. I can pivot. I'm a good podcast host. Gig guy, who was your favorite non-Beatles character? Billy Preston. Yeah. I mean, he, just think about it. They were all glum. They looked like they were freezing their asses off in that big ass building. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, George had his little exit departure, which I didn't realize that that darn departure left so long because you know I, i've seen beatles this beatles that red beatles this beatles that and i didn't realize he was gone and it was pretty serious oh we're and, go- we'll get to george we're definitely going to talk about what that uh documentary made me made you think about the breakup we'll definitely get there but they you know they uh they were all glum and then they went back to a little familiar territory and then along comes i think it was george that invited him to come around uh, then he said i, I, I invited him to come around and he showed up and look what he look what he did i mean can you imagine get back if that electric piano wasn't jamming you know it'd be a totally different song and mr record he just walks in and like 10 minutes after walking in like he's just sitting down on the keys and he's just starting to whip out some of the the most uh, iconic you know electronic piano riffs on a wurlitzer that we've ever heard on wax yeah i mean he really changed it for him and that is the absolute perfect sound that fender Rhodes piano on the on those songs is just the perfect thing do you guys know his hit song uh will it go round in circles oh yeah yeah i love that song yeah 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 and that's the way god planned it that's another good one well you see they they put underneath him when he came in right that like there's that that minor discussion that goes on where they kind of they first talk about they're like well billy's around a lot you know i mean what do we do and then john at one point says well i think we should just make him the fifth beatle and immediately paul's like whoa 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 wait a minute (laughs) i mean he kind of was he kind of was for like five five days or something you know and then it shows underneath there that like he uh he got you know he got like a a a, a large fee for those sessions and then uh, Apple Records put out his first two solo records right so it was kind of a whole package deal That's so awesome. Billy ended up doing all right for himself yeah yeah plus he played at Bangladesh concert that was a that, I got that on DVD That's a good one if you guys haven't seen it I recommend Ooh. you check her some out some good Bob. Leon Russell stuff on there I love it when he goes couple of numbers from Leon yeah yeah <laughs> Bob Dylan shows up I mean it's Ringo shows up. It's funny, Ringo forgets the words that don't come easy. So one part, he's like, It definitely didn't come easy to Ringo at that time. Thank you very much. Billy Preston was my choice, too. I have a runner-up, I'll, I'll mention, too. But, like, he's just so joy-filled. Yeah. And and you got to love anybody who has that much joy. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have so much respect for musicians, because ev- when they're making beautiful music, they just have this effervescent smile on their faces and so happy. And that's what he was while he was playing the, the organ the whole time. And it was just beautiful. But my second runner up is a very random character. And that's Heather McCartney. Okay. As a child, oh, yeah, she is favorite. running around having the time of her life, just sitting on various band members laps <laughs> and singing songs and dancing with John and Yoko. And no one seems phased by her presence at all. And I think also that's that's completely beautiful to me because if it were me, I would have been frustrated beyond belief that there is a child 
running around as I am trying to do my work and and be professional and and try to make beautiful music. And it seemed to her presence seemed to add to what they were doing in many of those those scenes. And it brought tears to my eyes. And she was at that point not uh, Paul's adopted daughter. Um, she's Linda's daughter. And and she's just running around like she was supposed to be there and welcomed by all of the band members. And I thought it was quite beautiful. Agreed. Yeah, it's really cool to see the interactions, right? Like, I didn't even know Paul McCartney had a brother, and then he shows up at one yeah. point. You know what I mean? And of course, yeah. and of course, Yoko Ono's around the whole time. Like, you get to see some interactions with the family quite a bit. And then George has got random, like, uh, Harry Krishna guys kind of hanging out at times, sitting around. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's <laughs> yeah. got their people in there. Rip rewound the Paul's brother part like four or five times because he had that flat, they had that awesome leather jacket on, and we were just like, that was, that was a sweet bomber. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. He's my runner-up, Paul's brother. He was only on there for like eight, <laughs> seventeen seconds. Or <laughs> Paul's I'm gonna pivot real quickly to uh, Glenn Johns, who was uh, one of the. He was the sound engineer, right? He was the guy who they would always ask if this stuff sounded good or whatever. But what I liked about Glenn Johns is he was the one guy who sort of seemed to not be there to be a yes man, right? He would push back every once in a while if he thought a version wasn't very good. You know what I mean? He would offer a suggestion every once in a while about maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. And there's a real cool scene near the end where John Lennon's talking about the manager, Alan King, who's the manager of the Rolling Stones at the time. And John Lennon's about to get involved with Alan King to be his manager. And he's really impressed with him because of his time spent with him at the rock and roll circus gig that he does with the Rolling Stones. And Glenn Johns kind of says to Lennon, as Lennon's just going on and on about how he loves Alan King, Glenn Johns says to him, he's like, yeah, but he's kind of weird, right? And then John just says, no, 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 blah, blah, blah. And he tells him how great he is. And then Glenn John says right to John Lennon's face, he's like, yeah, but he probably treats you a little different than he treats everybody else, right? And so he, like, he's just willing to point out to John Lennon that you're John Lennon and I'm Glenn Johns. <laughs> that, was a big part, that was a big part of the breakup, too, because three of them wanted Alan, and Paul didn't want no part of it. He smelled a rat, and... Up until that point, it was all for one, one for all. And then he got out, all of a sudden got outvoted and they were going to hire him. And he just stopped like right after that. He just stopped coming in. Well, let's uh, let's let's stick with that. Uh, let's let's stay on that bone real quick. I'm going to I'm going to drop my theory here. Right. Of uh, my preconceived notion of how the Beatles broke up. Right. Was a. Uh, was always about Yoko Ono, right? That's just one of the popular theories that you hear out there that Yoko Ono got involved and she broke the Beatles up and like, you know, like literally bands after the Beatles, like you, they got Yoko. It became a, a verb that people would say. About yeah, we all probably it. know Yoko in our lives, probably. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. I, can <laughs> I can think of three or four right now. <laughs> yeah, with, hey, with all due respect, <laughs> yeah. Yoko. <laughs> hey, why don't you beat it, Yoko? <laughs> Absolutely, we've all said that. And I, but I want to stay with the the manager thread real quick. I've always had a little theory that the overdose death of Brian Epstein, the Beatles' first manager, a few years before that, is really when the Beatles started losing their way because all four of those guys trusted Brian to make the calls to do the business, and things went along creatively. Right when Brian left and they never got a new manager, it was just hard for all four of them to agree on stuff. Right, so that was always my thing about Brian Epstein. But get guy. I wonder if your preconceived notion about how the Beatles broke up changed after watching the documentary. No, I, I realized that Paul quit. Cause I, in my life, I, I, I discovered the Beatles when I was like, let's say, I'd say the summer before high school, we'll say. And I fell in love with Paul. And then I fell in love with John. And I, I just, I, I, sw- I swapped between the two. But then when I realized that Paul just quit the Beatles 
it was before I knew all the particulars, I was like, man, what an asshole. I hate Paul. And I was mad at Paul for a little bit. But still... <laughs> Paul McCartney taking shrapnel. I'm sorry, yeah. Paul. And I was mad at Paul. But then, you know, I, I think I heard silly love songs. And then I fell back in love with, with Paul. <laughs> but strictly in a platonic way. I love, you know, Paul. And uh, basically... What was the question? I forgot what the question was. Now. Your preconceived notion about the Beatles breaking up, did it change after the documentary? <laughs> no. Mr. Record, how about you? Did your preconceived notion change any after watching the documentary? What was your, your first notion about how the Beatles broke up? I guess we could start there. Well, yeah, I mean, a long time ago, I thought the Yoko thing, and I, I thought it was kind of cool how everybody was cool with her, and she wasn't really being, she was just chilling, you know? She wasn't, like, stirring stuff up or anything, but I always thought it was interesting how... all the Beatles had said to each other that they thought it was three against one, but each of them felt that way. And I've kind of seen that in life with just people, you know, you're like, well, I thought you guys, you know, whatever. And it's like, Oh no, wasn't that at all. You know, you kind of invent things in your head. So I think they all had, it's just me. And then the, the other three are all together, you know? So that's what I had heard that too. And, and so, you know, it kind of seems that way. I didn't really know that it, that Paul quit or, or that he was the main uh, catalyst for that. Though I, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. He sued, he sued because basically he stopped coming in and he sued because, you know, they really didn't pick a manager. He wanted his father-in-law or soon to be at the time, Lee Eastman, which was Linda's dad. He had something to do with Kodak to be the mm-hmm. manager and they didn't want him because they figured he'd be biased towards Paul. Yeah. And so they couldn't Fair. agree. And this Klein, I mean, yeah, he, he, Man. Oh, it's Alan Klein, isn't it? I'm sorry. I yeah, called him Klein. Alan King. Thank you guys for not calling me out, but I'm glad that we got it corrected now. I listen. I apologize. I apologize. I just wanted to get it out there that I was wrong earlier. I like. I like to. I like to point out when I'm wrong. I don't want to be one of these podcast hosts that can never be wrong. Well, the Beatles, Paul left, but then they came back and all got together and recorded Abbey Road, and then they left, and then the business was still sitting there, and so Abbey Road was recorded after Let It Be, but Let It Be was released afterwards because mm-hmm. they had nobody to manage it and they couldn't agree. And I think Klein ended up calling in Phil Spector to produce Let It Be. That's true. And, That's a good call. And when you listen to some of them songs, like The Long and Winding Road, it's like the drums and all the orchestra. That's, that's not even all the Beatles. That's like Paul's voice. So mm-hmm. there's like a lot of songs. Yeah, because there's another, there's another version of the album too, right? What's that called? Like a stripped down version or something? Yeah, it's like Let It Be Naked. You can listen yeah, that's to it. it. And I tell you what, The Long and Winding Road, because I, I was going to ask you guys a question and think about it for a minute, but what's your worst Beatles song? There's got to be one that makes you go... <laughs> and Dude, that's it. Stage. That's that is mine. it. That's mine yeah. too. I that hate was, that song. Yeah, yeah, but you listen to that Let It Be Naked version. There's also a version that came out last year called uh, Let It Be Super Duper Deluxe Edition on Spotify, and it's literally got like, I think something like four hours worth of outtakes, like stuff that that you'll be seeing in this movie but you can listen to it while you're going down the road and it's pretty badass I recommend it to all um, so you guys are going to go long and winding road as the worst Beatles no, song no, over no, Martha My I Dear agree. mine is Michelle that's yeah, I was just about to say Michelle oh, this, like, hey, yes, look, we have the same right birthday folks too so we're thinking along the same <laughs> lines as birthday sharers aren't we in yours the, you might have to beep this out beep in yours the 19th 
Yeah, Kate, that's Kate's birthday. You're correct. Oh, January yeah. 19th. Sorry, I didn't hear that right. now we picked the same. Yeah. Michelle <laughs> It's no so thing. shitty. It's so shitty. But, yeah. like, Long and Winding Road is up there for me. Like, oh, it totally. really is. I do was, not like that was, song. Because when you heard that, when I, we heard that naked version, my daughter learned it on organ and piano. And then oh. we, they were playing it together. My other daughter, oh, it was, it's cool. Well, it's interesting you should say that because, like, in the documentary, when it when it says it has Paul playing it and they say this is what's used on the album, I didn't hate it nearly as much without all the other pieces involved. So yeah. I can I can see that I can see that, which definitely still makes Michelle the city the shittiest Beatles song. Yeah, you know, all, that, right, Mr. That, all that footage, eight hours worth of uh, let it or get back. It's called now. You know, there was an original movie that came out when the album was released called Let It Be. It was like maybe an hour and a half, and it it was just like a super condensed version of what we just saw, and it finishes with the rooftop, you know. But it, the the thing about Let It Be is it showed the whole version of The Long and Winding Road and, and Two of Us, and it showed the final produced version of it on Let It Be. And for whatever reason, on Get Back Here, like we were waiting for it. The last, the last episode we were waiting, and they cut out like three songs that were finished product, you know, and I couldn't understand. Come on, Pete, Peter Jackson, that is. So I remember had to go through, thanks to old PJ, yeah. I had to go through and dig out my copy and let it be. It took about an hour and a half. This thing was just like Raiders of the Lost Ark trying to find this thing. But we, we, we put it on and on, we were all glued to the TV because it's like that, that Peter Jackson thing got right up to the end and they were jamming on them songs and it was just like, it was over. So yeah. um, I recommend if you can look it up, the, even let it be, there's more content for you beetle heads out there, you beetle maniacs. <laughs> All right. Well, after you after you replaced the album with the bag of sand and then moved on to uh, to turn it on, Mr. Warner, let me let me ask you this question. Right. Maybe he had to cut that out because he had to drop in the scene where John and Paul said they wanted to be away from everybody and went off into a different room. And there was a hidden microphone in a flower pot. And I think that that exchange really speaks to a lot of what we we talked about, about how George and Paul and John all thought at different times somebody else was the leader. They all thought everybody else was against them. They were talking about George being the little brother and wanting to stretch his wings. That was just that to me was one of the most pivotal scenes in the documentary. And I want to know your guys' thoughts. Good guy, you go first. Well, on a couple different levels, I thought it was horse shit because how dare you record me, you bloody white ass. That's why I said if I was Paul. Did he know? Did he just find this out too? He tunes in to see what old PJ did and he's freaking shocked. His mouth hit the floor. Was that what happened? Well, they, I mean, they were producers on it, so I imagine he, he, had, he, had, a, he had a heads up. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was horse shit, but from a fan's standpoint, it was like, oh man, they were turned up. Oh, good thing they put words. Let's see what it. Oh. I was on the edge of my seat. I leaned up in my seat, like I did the whole thing where, like, I had my, I had my chin on my hands. Right, I was kind of like the thinker, just like looking at the screen. I was all in on that scene. I was see, captivated. It was, it was heartbreaking too, because he was like, because that's the thing about this get back that I guess didn't stand out to me as much as uh, as let it be is how like removed John was from the situation. He was just, and I didn't know this until. After this come out, my mother-in-law informed us he was addicted to heroin at that time, him and Yoko. Yeah. So he was out of it, and it was heartbreaking because in that hidden plant scene, I think Paul's like, look, we always kind of looked up to you as the boss, and and it was just, I don't know, it, it was a mixed emotion scene. It was like, I can't believe they did that. I mean, it was, 
I'm glad they did, but from Paul and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Mr. Mr. Record, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to trade a little bit on some knowledge that I know you have here, all right? You have an older brother, I know, and you have a younger brother, I know, right? And I feel like the older brother younger brother dynamic was really at play there. So, I wonder if you can offer any insight to uh to us there about what you thought about that scene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can have band members that you love and don't really like all that much or they get on your nerves. I mean, it's very similar relationship. And you know, I kind of thought it was cool that they they understood what was going on. Like, they kind of understood how he was feeling, and they could, you know, because some people would either just ignore it or, or not be aware of it or, um, like, criticize him for it. But they were like, yeah, I can kind of see how, you know, he wants to do things his way sometimes, and we're always, you know, asserting ourselves. Um, and honestly, when I was watching that, I did not realize that it was a hidden camera thing i did oh yeah i, I must have missed that uh little detail but. it was one of those because they were talking so fast right and like you also kind of had trouble hearing them and they had to put like dialogue or a uh, text yeah. up on the screen mm -hmm. you know what i mean and they were you know and they're really using kind of their their cockney slang at times you know what i mean yeah. but yeah they, they definitely wrote up there that it was a john and paul went off into another room at this point and there was a hidden microphone in a flower pot that they were unaware of yeah horseshit <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the to the end of the documentary and perhaps the most famous part of Let It Be and one of the most famous things in the lore of the Beatles, the rooftop performance. Let's just start here. Mrs. Morgan, you know, I'm going to ask you first. You're an office worker at Notre Dame. Can you imagine just being in your office and all of a sudden on a rooftop a couple of blocks away from you, you hear John, Paul, George, and Ringo start jamming? I can't. I can't imagine it, <laughs> but I would be delighted nonetheless, right? And I, when we watch this part of the documentary, like I, I cried through it, like really, really ugly cried through it because I thought it was just so beautiful to, to know that if you were an office worker witnessing this from the street, you have no idea that this is the last time the Beatles are ever going to perform together. You have no idea what you're hearing or this album or the majesty of all of it. And it just blew me away, even the thought of that. So, um, no, I can't imagine being there. And if I was there, I don't think I would have appreciated it nearly as much as what I did witnessing it, just watching it, you know, on Disney+. Plus. Gig guy, how about you? You're certainly not calling the police, like apparently a few people decided to do, because we have a we have an we have an episode from Johnny Law there, which is pretty funny. Our guy Mal comes down and really stonewalls him for a little while. Good work by him there. That's where you're wrong. I'm a as you can tell by this interview, I'm all business nowadays. I would have been offended <laughs> yeah. that they were disrupting my business and I would totally. have called them <laughs> Totally. <laughs> no. Totally. No, I'd have got there about ten minutes late. I'd have been like, Oh man, the beat oh, oh no. <laughs> just this <missed> them. <laughs> no, it was yeah, it was historic. I mean, and the great thing about it was my reference being "Let It Be." I'd watch that a hundred times easily that rooftop concert. But old PJ, he really came through for us this time. PJ, <laughs> my man Curtis really came through, boy. Yeah, uh, yeah, he threw in all the alternate versions, and I really liked how they were like. This was the version that was used on the album because yeah. it's like, yeah, I never realized it was recorded live like that. Yeah, so I was I was shouting from the rooftops because I was so excited about the rooftop. 
Mr. Record, you, Mr. Record, your thoughts, rooftop performance. I'll admit right now that I got a little bit teary-eyed when they finally got to the rooftop performance because I knew that we were building towards that, and then I also know that that's the final time the Beatles performed together. So I got a little bit teary-eyed during the rooftop performance. Man, you know what's funny is I didn't think about that at all. I was thinking about the logistics of it and, like, is there too many people on the roof? <laughs> like, And also, like, what a weird – yeah, it was freezing cold. They're like they can't see anybody down on the street it'd be really weird from their perspective like it'd still be cool obviously very cool but so it's a very unique situation obviously but it made for a really great recording and like a vibe to like and that's what they, it was all working up towards like those two weeks or however long it was probably more than that um you know they just all came down to that and like sometimes it's like it's go time and you just your muscle memory and like you end up you kind of like uh, it's like practice versus a game in the NBA or something like you're able to jump a little higher, you know. I love that your answer was completely spoken like a guy that you can catch at a patio near you around the Indianapolis <laughs> Noblesville Fishers area right there. That's Somebody right. has to set up their own equipment right there. Oh, yeah. Must be nice to have roadies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to. We're gonna go to and make a. Uh, we have we have four different people on this podcast. We're all gonna pick five songs. We're gonna make you a twenty song playlist of ultimate Beatles tunes. But before we get there, Mister Record, Mister Warner, you guys are musicians. Do you think there's a a Beatles sound you can point to? Right? Is there a certain Beatles kind of guitar riff? Is there a certain thing that you can point to that? Oh, this is a Beatles style song. The way that we can't do so many other genres of rock and roll. Get Gal, go to you first. Yeah, the vocals. I mean, these harmonies are amazing. Paul, all the time, was just going to as high as he could, and it's, but yet it blends so well with what was going on. That's one of them things that's jumping out at me in the car as I'm driving on the way home. I was listening to Ticket to Ride, and that, and I, I heard it. You know, I was paying attention to whatever was going on, school buses and whatnot. And all of a sudden, Paul's like, "I think it's today, yeah!" And it like totally. I was what? I rewound it and turned it all the way up, and then and then. Yeah, just the vocal, the harmonies. I mean, as a musician, that's I, you know I can play a little bit here and there, but I cannot sing. And to hear these guys do it, I'm like living vicariously through them because I just I'm seriously like laughing out loud. There ain't nobody around, so I'm laughing out loud in the car. How great it is! Yeah, Mr. Record, we didn't really talk about that about Get Back as well, but let me go to you with this. Uh, you know, you write songs yourself. Were you were you interested in seeing the way that the Beatles decided to write songs and the way that songs came together on that? You know, and, and is there any is there any certain Beatles sound you could point to? Yeah, I mean, as far as the songwriting goes, it's like I was surprised at like how normal it was, and like you know, they're kind of just like everybody else, aside from like all the commotion and people going on around them. I mean, it's like. You have come up with an idea at home and then you got band practice in the band room and you're like, hey, check this out. And then you like record it and y'all go home and listen to it. And then you come back and it's like, before you know it, you got like a full song. And, and just to see like get back, pop out of just like, you know, dicking around. And uh, I mean, it's exactly how it happens is it's there's a lot of ways to approach writing a song. But, you know, that documentary covered a lot of them. That part, um, that part where he's doing Get Back and he's coming up with it on the spot, that's how much the music is a part of my life. Is To me, that was on par or equal to, and I'm sure it's arguable, 
but to be in a fly on the wall when the Declaration of Independence was signed, mm, watching yeah. Paul do that was just as important in my book, if not mm-hmm. more important. Well, I, I, that's, that's a little bit controversial there, good guy. Whoa, this ain't, whoa, whoa, this whoa. ain't the podcast for that, my friend. This ain't the podcast for that. Are you talking bad about liberty? I still think it's a fair argument. I still think it's a fair argument. <laughs> yeah, so seriously, PJ, again, kudos, kudos. <laughs> That was the other thing that ultimately I took away was like, was just, you know, all these years loving the Beatles, all these years hearing these songs and all these years having these preconceived notions in my head where frankly, I'm just concocting my own stories about how these songs came together. And then like just seeing the way that Ringo would basically just sit back there near the drums, smoking heaters, Mm -hmm. just waiting to play a beat. Anytime something started coming around on a guitar and lyrics started coming together, it was just, it was just awfully, awfully cool. So let's, let's see if we can figure out a good 20 to maybe 25 songs, maybe if we got a couple extras we got to throw on at the back end that's okay that we can put together as an ultimate playlist for the people and i guys i'm you guys are guests here but we have to go ladies <laughs> first so the mrs morgan you know is going to get the first song choice okay so this wouldn't probably be anybody else's first song choice for the beatles but as a person who grew up on the Beatles because of my mom's love of the Beatles, this was one of the first songs that that first resonated with me at a young age that I still just love to sing all the time, and that's Rocky Raccoon from the White Album. As we talked about earlier, lots of great songs on that album, but I love this song. It's It just brings me joy. I find it very different and very fun, and it's something I've, I've sung to Van a lot uh, and still very much enjoy now in my life too. Get guy, you shouted out the white album. Tell us a little bit about Rocky Raccoon. Yeah, I love the P and E that they, that Western style of piano. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like it's an old saloon. I love it. Plus the story of it. I mean, it's it's just a it's a good choice. I commend you on your first choice. But I was thinking too as you were talking. There's an awesome cover version of it by Richie Havens, Rocky Raccoon. You guys familiar really? with that one? Really? I don't think I know that. Oh, well, here's the deal. Down. It's not on Spotify for whatever reason, but it's on YouTube. So if you find it, check it out. It's bad. It, he's got a lot of Beatles covers. Strawberry Fields. He's got uh, Lady Madonna. Uh, Here Comes the Sun. And I've heard that one. I can't think. Of, I think there's one more, but I can't think of it. Out Are they all solo acoustic or is he with a band? Oh, yeah, he's got his, like, Congo players and stuff, and him and a bass player. Gig Guy, why don't you give us a song for the playlist? You go ahead and go, and then Mr. Record will let you go after after Gig Guy. All right, I'm going my all-time favorite until my all-time favorite. But number one of all time for me is, I got a feeling! How great was that to see? Oh, so good. <laughs> Seriously, the, the evolution of that song was just so cool. Yeah, you, that's one that, that that's a spine that runs throughout the documentary. You see him working on that one quite a few times. It's like, yeah, it's watching it. That song was just stuck in my head for like a week after seeing that movie. And I remember on my birthday, I took the day off of work, and hopefully my boss ain't listening. I, I mean, uh, no, but I took the day off of work, and I, the first thought in my head that morning was, <laughs> was, I mean, you know what? I'm gonna freaking learn this song. So I got up and clicked on this, that, and the other, and I was playing it. 15 minutes later I called my daughter in the room my son I was like hey get on these instruments right here and we did a version of it on my birthday oh, it was, it was the be- one of the best birthday presents ever thank you Fab Four. Oh, and when Paul starts screaming that one one that one verse walk around like somebody told me yeah I mean, that, I I mean that's just I didn't even know what that said all these years I didn't know what it said until that my birthday this year we had to look up what it said because 
Sophie sings it, my daughter, because I don't, I can't do Paul Justice. She does Paul Justice on that song. We did a version. Well, I won't tell this story yet. Yeah. No, but listen, you can direct people. You got a YouTube channel though, where some of these things appear every once in a while. Tell the people where they can find it. Yeah, Kid Guy Warner YouTube dot uh, something dot something <laughs> exactly exactly like you always like to tell me you're just rubbing two tin cans together over there to even join us on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Mr. Record, why don't you give us song number three for the ultimate Beatles playlist? All right, I'm going to start early, and I'm going to go with I Saw Her Standing There. Mm. Nice. Just, That's I You know what? I've, really, I've gained a big appreciation for early Beatles stuff recently, Mr. Record. You know, I'm realizing, like, yeah, it's bubblegum, but, like, there's a lot of artistry behind so many of those songs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the vocals on that are just killer. Well, the bass line, I about crashed my car. On the way home recently, listen to that baseline. <laughs> I'm not joking. I was going through this wooded area right before my house, too. And I was the like, Beatles are going to kill me. <laughs> I was turning it up because, you know, the, the baseline's like, and, and so I turn it up, <laughs> and freaking deer runs out. You know? I, I didn't see it standing there. <laughs> Mr. Warner, if I only had a story about you, me, an automobile, and a deer, if I only had a story about you, me, an automobile, and a deer, I'd relay it right now on this podcast. I uh, don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> see? Yeah, see, exactly. That's what I mean. I don't have a story. I don't have a story. <laughs> but what I do have for you is song number four on the Ultimate Beatles playlist. And I am going to steal a song that Mrs. Morganino teased earlier, and I'm going to get some husband points here. My first song I'm going to pick was the song that the Mrs. Morganino and I danced to at our wedding as our first song. It was a song that came on at a party we were at in Muncie in our Ball State days when I first decided, you know what? This is the girl I'm going to spend all of my time with. And I got down on one knee and said, hey, let's make this just you and I. And oh, darling was playing. And like I mentioned, Paul screaming is something I'll sign up for all the time. Give me oh, darling is song number four. And then Bravo. five long years later, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> and fun fact, we had a live band at our wedding, and they didn't know this song. And so I wrote the contract for this band and told them they had to learn it and they did and they nailed it and it was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's that was our uh I got that was one of my first gig guy youtube.net movies was my we all came together and played Oh Darling. My daughter was on piano and my daughter Sophie nailed it. I mean, it was crazy because they that was this was right after Get Back. We just watched it. And I came home from work and was playing it. And my daughter Quinn was on the piano. And we were playing it together. And out of nowhere, Sophie just starts yelling the Paul part. It was like, whoa. And then uh, that, remember I told I, earlier, I mentioned that Let It Be Super Duper Deluxe version. There's a, like a, I think like a six or seven minute version of Oh Darling on there. And Ooh. it's like slowed down and jazzier. So check it out if you get the chance. It's on my playlist. I love when that comes up. Yeah, it's a great, great song. So am I up next then, Rod? Okay, so this this song is probably, I mean, yes, we've heard it all of the times, but I love it and it means a lot to me. And that's Hey Jude. I, d I don't think that we can talk about the Beatles without talking about Hey Jude and how significant that song it is. And it seems to always come up in my life 
when I need it most, when like it'll come on the radio or it'll or, or someone will post something or I see something online and it and it always comes up at the right time. And I find the song very, very meaningful to me. Possibly the single greatest line ever written in rock and roll history. In my humble opinion, the movement you need is on your shoulders. So many different things we encounter in life can be solved with that. And so much confidence that we need can be delivered in just that line from Paul McCartney. And you want to talk about Paul screaming. I mean, when he starts getting into Jude, 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 Jude. And Mr. Warner, we want to talk about covers. How about Otis Redding's version of Hey Jude? Oh, yeah, yeah, or Wilson Pickett's version. Yes. I, I, I made this, like, uh, gig guy's playlist of Beatles covers. It's, like, eight hours long of all these different versions of all their songs. I even got versions of dudes on steel guitar playing, playing Beatles hits we all know and love. But it's, yeah, yeah, don't let me down. Yeah. That, I mean, that was, I, I ended up, that ended up being a, sing, a single that didn't come out on the Let It Be album, but it was cool seeing the evolution of that song from start to finish on Get Back. I wonder how much of that song maybe comes from, Mr. Warner, what you alluded to earlier, right? That John was a little bit in the throes of a heroin addiction at this time, right? I wonder how much of that sort of comes out of that, right? Like that we have many songs throughout the Beatles catalog where something that John is feeling a little bit apprehensive about comes out in a song, right? Like Help is actually a song about John Lennon worried about that he's gaining weight, right? And what he's going to look like on camera. So I wonder how much comes out of that. So that's a, that's a very interesting song pick. Well, again, and Billy Preston, it's like he he's playing all them awesome riffs in there. I mean, that song would be a totally different thing without Billy Preston being there on it, too. Mr. Records, you're up next, my friend. What do you got for us? Um, I'm going to go with... Um, let's see here. I'm going to go with Back in the USSR. Damn! Wow! Current events not, notwithstanding. I've had two of mine taken already that I was like, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, You're just so much quieter than we are. <laughs> so it's payback. Uh, so that it's just a perfect opening album with the the plane opening song uh, with the the plane noise mm-hmm. and it just rocks and it's just like I, I love that song. Well, and it was written as a parody, right? Like I think that that's so funny. Is and I'm trying to remember who is the artist that it was written after, and it was like Beach Boys. Well, the Beach Boys helped write it, so oh, they, they were they were on a retreat, and I think it was was it. It wasn't. Chuck Berry? It, it was written because of Chuck Berry, and like that's who it was. But then they were on a retreat with some of the Beach Boys, and the, and Paul was talking about writing the song. And I th- I don't think it was one of the Wilsons. Somebody had said you should talk about the girls. Like you should talk about how the, how the girls are influenced this, and so that's where it sort of came from. And I just think it's so. Wonder. I love that song. It's a rock. It's a rocking song. And shout out to the Ukraine girls who are currently standing <laughs> yeah. up for their country God right now. Them. Right now. Shout out to them. You know, uh, much love to the to Ukraine. Right. I agree with you that current events right now, Mr. Record, don't want us to say USSR anything, but that is a banging song. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Love the guitar in that song. White album again too. the super yep. duper deluxe edition. Once again, I will mention and recommend you can hear like four or five different versions of that song. You can hear the evolution of that song on the Super Duper White album. It's like eight hours long or something. So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. 
I love that you said the White Album there because my next song comes off of the White Album. And I also mentioned Rock and Roll Circus earlier. Okay, there's a song that originally comes from the White Album called Your Blues. But during the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus performance, you have John Lennon playing with Eric Clapton, Mitch Mitchell, and Keith Richards in a band they called the Dirty Mac. And they do a smoking version of Your Blues. But this is one of those Beatles songs that you hear it and you're like, the same guys who did uh, uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds did this song? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This is a downright dirty blues song and I love it. Your Blues has got to be on the list. Did you catch the the connection between Rock and Roll Circus and, and Get Back? John kept going, and now, and he'd do like the Rolling Stones. Did you guys catch that Easter egg? Because yeah. that was his part on Rock and Roll Circus right before the Stones jammed. That's what he Phase did. one, where Doris gets her oats. You know what I mean? Like he's doing a whole bunch of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's mine. So let's move on to the Mrs. Morgan you know for her next pick. Okay, I'm going to go with the title track of the album. I'm going to go with Let It Be. Um, again, a ridiculously significant song. Can't believe they were in their 20s when they wrote such profound lyrics. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, unreal. From what I understand, it's about Paul's mother, and my mom's name is also Mary, and uh, it just means a lot to me. And right after, um, right, right after 9-11, Paul McCartney happened to be in New York City and could not leave New York City because there was no air travel. And I'll never forget seeing him on MTV of all places, him getting out of a taxi cab and a camera on him and him just singing the the first lyrics of Let It Be just to a camera acoustic. And it was beautiful. And that song resonates with me when it comes to 9-11 and so many other things. And so uh, Let It Be is my next choice. Shout out to Carson Daly and Total Request Live, which just got a mention on a Beatles podcast. If anybody had that on their bingo cards, they just totally won right there. (laughs) All right, Gig Guy, what else you got for us after Let It Be on the Ultimate Beatles playlist? This is your song number three, I believe. So you got to start whittling your your, your your list down here. See, I got so many white album picks on this list, and you guys are all naming white albums. So I'm gonna change it up. I'm going with I've just seen a face, which is off the album Help. Great, great little intro to that song, and again Paul singing the high part, plus this little I don't know what you'd call that style, the little beatnik style, or or it's, I don't know. It's just that's always been one that if it comes on, I listen to it at maximum volume. That is a great early days Beatles song that a lot of people probably overlook because they get way back into the 67 to 70 years, which I do just like anybody else. But that is a great early days Beatles song. Mr. Record, what do you got for us as your next track? Uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with uh, Get Back. I'm going with the title track. <clears throat> and it just you got to have it on, on a Beatles list. Listen, JoJo was a man who thought he was a loner. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? It's a great grass, song. Grass, quote unquote grass again. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> talking about property. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go to, again, Mr. Warner, as you said, so many White Album songs coming up here. I have a couple other tracks from the White Album, but I'm going to go back to early days Beatles, right? And I'm going to go back to a song that has made an appearance as many a high school graduation senior song, but it speaks to what we talked about, the Beatles in their early 20s being able to write profound lyrics as I now approach 42 years old 
in my life means a whole heck of a lot more to me now than it used to. I'm going with in my life. Okay, as you approach 42 years old, you are 42. <laughs> See, we yeah, finally hit the age old. now. We finally <laughs> hit the age now where I'm going to round myself down. February, September, other. I'm going to round myself down now, right? I used to round myself up because I was so excited to be 40 because I was so cantankerous. I wanted to be 40 years old before I was, but now I'm going to start rounding myself down. So thank you very much, Miss Morgan. You know. <laughs> Anytime. That was the song that my dad and I danced to at our wedding. Um, and we have lyrics of it framed in our house. It's such a beautiful song. I need to add Johnny Cash's version to my Beatles playlist. I just thought about that one. He does a version of it right before he died. It's a very good version if you're not familiar with that one. That's what's so great about these Beatles songs. It's like yeah. they can, they're living, breathing entities. They can, when you hear them do it, or when you hear a good version of somebody else doing it, it takes on it's a whole new life. And that's a great pick. That's off. That's off of Rubber Soul. Yeah, Rubber Soul is kind of, that's like a lot of people will point to Magical Mystery Tour maybe when the Beatles really started changing up, but Rubber Soul kind of gives you the, the the early part of the Beatles starting to change their sound an awful lot. Rubber Soul is a, is one of their better early days albums in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I got a song or two on this list. See, I had to pick way more because I knew we were going to be fighting over songs. Because <laughs> You mentioned earlier, I, Oh Darling was my number two. I shook my fist at the screen. Good thing <laughs> we're too. not talking. <laughs> Because you'd have been, I, I used to see my fist shaking. <laughs> but no, I did not know that story about your your wedding, so I'll gladly take back that. <laughs> we can have it. <laughs> All right, Ms. Morgan, you know you got another pick for us. Okay, so I wanted to do the entire B side of Abbey Road. Um, Ooh, nice. But I decided to just go ahead and narrow it down, although we could. That should just... count. No way. Alright, I'm fine. We can take it from you never give me your money and then all the way through to the end. We can do that. The ones that I had narrowed it down to had started with Golden Slumbers and then into Carry That Weight and the end. But we can we can do all of them before that too, because I think it's just perfection. It's it's just some of my favorite music ever recorded. Yeah, me and Mr. Mustard again. Shout out. Yep, it makes an appearance of that. <laughs> Screw you, neighbor, wherever you're at these days. <laughs> Listen, I think somebody should shout out Polythene Pam, all right? You, she's so good looking, but she looks like a man, right? Somebody should shout Polythene Pam out here. Well, then the bass line on, she came in through the bathroom window where he goes, yeah. uh, what does he say? Uh, she works at 15 clubs a day. The bass line's like, boom, 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 boom. just like sticks out. It's like a punch in the face. That Paul delivers to you. That's a punch to the eardrum, I guess it'd be. And one of the most famous cover men in all of rock, Joe Cocker, does a pretty mean version of She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. Oh, yeah, total, total. It's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> all right, good guy, you're up. Mrs. Morgan, you know, just gave her fourth pick, so we're on to your fourth pick. You only got two songs left here. You know what? I'm looking at this list, and like I said with this entity thing, it's like this list, you call me back next week on Beatles Part 2. <laughs> and I'll give you a whole entirely different list. So I'm going in the dark here. I'm a loser on Beatles for Sale album. It's wow, got a nice Western early swing. days. It's got some harmonica to it. And freaking, and that was basically when they first started on grass. They met Bob Dylan around that era. And you could definitely hear that's when the music started to take a different turn. Because right before that was Hard Day's Night. It was still pretty bubblegummy. But there's some good damn songs on it. But... Beatles for Sale to me was when they took that turn. Now, I'm not saying grass is good, anybody. Don't misconstrue. <laughs> it's just the facts here. All right, Mr. Record, your penultimate pick for the ultimate Beatles playlist. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to do a song where I think one really big thing alongside the grass and the drugs and things that were like turning points, and they did something that almost no band has ever done or, or will do, and that is, well, I don't know. There are people that specialize in this, but they just they said we have to stop touring, and then they had that burden completely off of them where they could just make albums like they were making paintings, you know, and they could just work on it. So I'm, I'm going with Paperback Writer. It just has the the crazy intro and the you know the studio tricks on there, and then a killer riff, and it's just it's a great song. That's a wonderful pick, man. I wasn't even thinking of Paperback Writer. That's a really phantom call right there. Do you know that riff on guitar record? Uh, not off the top of my head, huh? Yeah, I never I never got around to it too. I may have to get that one under the belt. That's the thing. It's like trying to recreate a Beatles song. It's I don't know. I, it's like I, I'm more of a Stones when I play songs. I can do better Stones than I can Beatles. There was just so much going on with the Beatles songs that unless you're yeah, unless you're qualified, you just best leave it to the professionals. <laughs> I've, heard some, I've heard some. You talk about a painting. I've seen some. Somebody took an axe to the damn painting and then pissed on it and then lit it on fire with some of these <laughs> cover songs. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to give my penultimate pick for the playlist here. And this is another song that I don't believe appeared on any album. It was just, or actually I think it might be on the White Album, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's the Ballad of John and Yoko. All right, it's a song that's just an absolute <laughs> banger. It's not on the White Album? It's not on the White Album? <laughs> okay, it's very aggressive. All right, well... <laughs> I did what so many great podcast hosts do. I gave myself two different doors there to be able to go through and actually be right. So I gave myself two different doors there. But I love the ballad of John and Yoko. That's just one of those songs that's just you can't help but tap your toes. You're going to be dancing around. You're going to like that song an awful lot. Yeah, George and Ringo weren't there, though. It was just Paul and John. That was like one of the last things they did before they, whatever, before Paul officially quit. They recorded that song. And it was kind of Paul did it for John as a favor, you know, because he just got married and stuff. And yeah, that's a that's the baseline. And again, Paul. Married in Gibraltar today. I love that song. It's really, really good. Mrs. Morgan, you know, close out your five picks for the ultimate Beatles playlist. Uh, I'm having a hard time because I have several of these left. So I'm hoping some of you guys choose them. Um... Okay, I love this song. I love Stevie Wonder's version way better than this version, but I love this song just the same, and that's We Can Work It Out. I think it's a really, really great tune that that Stevie turned into something all his own, but re-listening to it recently, um, I realized, I guess, the Beatles version is just perfect, too. Yeah, plus think about the message. Try to see it my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only that time can go will a long tell. way. Only time will tell. Uh-huh. If I have right, go a long way. Wrong. Have you guys ever seen any William Shatner does so and so song instead yes, of singing yes. the song? Yes. Like, pop, that'd be a good one to do that that song, <laughs> wouldn't it? All right, Mr. Warner, your final pick for the list. What you got for us? Oh, my screen went black. I don't need the screen. Screw a bunch of screens. I want you. She's so heavy. Oh, think about good it. Work. Let's say you let's say you got a party going on. You want to flip on some Beatles, prove a Beatle point. That they can jam. Prove a Beatle point. <laughs> I had to prove a Beatle point back in junior high. Everybody was bringing in their, because our teacher would let us bring in a tape once a week. And so people were bringing in Metallica and, and I don't even know what, Nirvana and jamming out in there. And I was like, oh yeah, check this out. I brought in my freaking record and put on Helter Skelter. And I was jamming, you know, enjoying it. And 
afterwards, everybody's like, that sucked, bro. What was that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but, so that's another one. But the one, I want you, she's so heavy, is along them same lines. Freaking jams, I don't care. Mm-hmm. What walk of life you are, you hear that guitar playing, and you're like, man, that, what is that? Either I love it or you hate it. But I think secretly, deep down, everybody loves it. It's a great song. I can't, Again, Abbey Road. I can't disagree yeah, with you there. Abbey Road. I'm wearing a shirt right now. If we were vlogging. <laughs> Nobody wants to see my kisser on camera, so we are strictly an audio podcast. Mr. Record, <laughs> your final pick for the Ultimate Beatles playlist. All right. Um, but I picked four pretty much rockers, so I'm going to go with uh, Yesterday. Nice. Mm. And I just, I like the story behind it, which I probably can't, I don't remember the particulars, but. There was some ex-girlfriend's mother that kind of like told Paul like he was going to something to the effect of be a failure or something like that. And he got to kind of he played that on on live on national TV, I guess, and there in England. Uh, It's just it's a great song. It's just a one man song there. So it could be on a solo album, I guess. But really good beautiful song jammed together on it at uh, i think live at budokan concert it's a bootleg for sure if you can get your hands on that but they play it together as a band on stage it was pretty cool but that'd be another good william shatner sitting there (laughs) yes so what you're telling me is that the beatles rocked budokan before cheap trick rocked budokan is that what you're telling me (laughs) yeah i think it was quite the stir all them the martial artists were offended by it they were triggered Well, I think that I think that yesterday somebody can check me on this. The guys in the truck can check me on this, but I believe yesterday is one of the most covered songs in rock and roll history, right? I think it is one of the most covered songs in rock and roll history. And uh, shout out to '90s R&B, one of my personal favorite genres. Boys to Men does a mean, a mean acapella version of Yesterday. I knew you were going to throw it out there. I remember <laughs> having that Boys to Men album before I knew this as a Beatles song, what like in seventh grade or something, and my mom comes flying into the room. <laughs> Like, who's doing this song? Who's covering this? Very excited about Boys to Men covering it as well. See, I always, I'm, I always have hated like when they use commercial Beatles songs on commercials. That's what was kind of heartbreaking about the whole Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney music rights thing. It's like Paul and John never wanted their songs to be on commercials. They looked at it as like selling the ultimate sellout, and then. All of a sudden, I mean, it seems like I see a Beatles song on a commercial all the time. And I just, I hate it. Yeah, well, I mean, but it, these days, that's that's a way that artists can actually get their music out there. You know what I mean? And like Led Zeppelin and so many different people have sold out. But I tend to agree with you, right? Because we come from the 90s, Warner, when selling out was a big time deal. You weren't supposed to do that, right? Kids these days don't know anything about it because everybody's promoting themselves on social media. Heck, we have a podcast and we have a website ourselves, so we're out there promoting ourselves also. But I have one song left to pick for the Ultimate Beatles playlist, and I am going to follow Mr. Record's cue. I picked a lot of rockers, so I'm going to take a smaller, more laid back song and it's a song that I've heard been covered by one of my favorite modern day bands Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder does a mean 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 version of You've Got to Hide Your Love Away which I'm going to absolutely put on this playlist because that's one that will slow it down a little bit and I think that's a great great song yeah the, there's a clip from Help the, the movie Help they do it they're like jamming in their apartment and then do a cool version of that. So, I mean, it's the same one as on the album, but it's just cool to see him play it on the movie. 
Yeah, definitely one that comes out of help, which is a, a Beatles uh, movie that, you know, kind of makes no sense. It's a whole thing about a ring that Ringo has on his finger, but there's a lot of good songs in it, so it's good stuff. But we got a couple minutes here before we close out. Let's do honorable mention. You guys have any other songs on your list that you wanted to fire out there that we uh, that we that we should talk about here? Mr. Record, what else do you have on your list that you didn't get to? Um, I love uh, Her Majesty. It's just a, a little touch. Of the, I guess that's their, you know, maybe they're one of the last songs they recorded, which again, one person song. Um, Dig a Pony, just love the riff in that. And then probably Happiness is a Warm Gun. Those would be my alternates. Happiness is a Warm Gun was definitely an alternate on my list. And to go back to early days Beatles, how about Kansas City, Hey, 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 all right? That's a that's a real early days Beatles song when they were just doing an awful lot of covers because that's an old blues standard, but some real good stuff going on there. Again, Paul screaming, a lot of stuff there. And I'm also going to shout out Obladi Oblada because there's not too many more songs out there in rock and roll history that are more fun to sing than that song, Life Goes On, Ra. Also, the White Album, also on my list was Why Don't We Do It in the Road. I think that song is so fun, and it's rockin', and I love that song. And two others that I had on my list were uh, I Am the Walrus, I Adore That Song Too, and Help. And I think it's just a classic, and it's a good one. Mr. Warner, how about you? Fire off any bullets you got left in the chamber. No replies. another one where Paul sings really high. And you don't even notice unless you're listening for it because it just blends together so good. That's another Beatles for Sale song. I'm looking through you, going back to Rubber Soul, mm-hmm. another another Paul awesome classic song. And then I'm going to say, we're going to have to go back to the White Album. And again, with the one-man song, but Mother Nature's Son made my list, too. I just wow. love that. I found, a, I found a version John Denver did of, this, of, of it. I mean, it's not near as cool, but yeah, Mother Nature's Son... John Denver has every right to cover that song. See, if you don't, you're not a professional, leave it alone. But John Denver, he was professional, so he made well with that. Also, listen, Country Roads is a banger, all right? Country Roads is an absolute <laughs> banger by John Denver. Let's not, we're not going to make any bones about that on this particular podcast. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to put an Ultimate Beatles playlist out there and available on Spotify as an accompaniment to this particular podcast. I have had an absolute blast talking about the Beatles. Mr. Record, any last Beatles thoughts you want to get out, or did we get all of stuff uh, that you needed to say about the Beatles out here on this Beatles podcast as we say goodbye? Man, I, I think I'm good. We just all praises to PJ for going through that footage and putting it together, man. <laughs> Going from Lord of the Rings to, the, to that, I mean, yeah. fantastic. So I was stoked when I heard that it was coming out. Mr. Warner, how about you? Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time this evening to uh, wax philosophical about the Beatles. Any uh, last Beatles thoughts you want to get out before we say goodbye? Yeah, I want to say that before this movie, this movie came out, my music appreciation and life and, and whatever was stagnating because sometimes mm-hmm. life just kicks you right there. Stomach. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get up. Yeah. You just lose sight of what's important. Lots of noise in the background, drama, you name it. So this movie woke up something deep inside of me. And not only that, but it woke up my children. And that's what this movie has done. It's, it's made us all grow and appreciate and love music for what it is. It's an art. It transcends. I mean, it's part of your soul. It tra- transcends everything. Music is the ultimate communication. And since this movie, it's like they were, you know, they were praising it. But that's the thing. My, my teenage girls, they were going on and on about it for three, four weeks. And it's like, all right, hey, hey, 
check out this other British group. <laughs> so I showed him the stones. Same thing, three, four weeks of stones hysteria. And right now, we're in a who hysteria right now. <laughs> so yeah. it's been a total British invasion at my house all over again. So thank you, PJ. And seriously, God bless the Beatles for what they did for all mm-hmm. of humankind because they changed everything with the sound of a guitar and a little bit of rock and roll and some good singing. They changed everything. And let's not forget the first ever satellite broadcast across the world was the Beatles singing All You Need Is Love. And here in 2022, that sounds like a sentiment that I'm absolutely going to get on board with. Mrs. Morgan, you know, my co-host in life, my co-host on this podcast, any final Beatles thoughts as we close up shop? Yeah, I think that as as someone who I I'd said in our introduction, um, grew up on the Beatles, lived on them. Um, I've fallen in and out of love with the Beatles many times as I've discovered new music and um, enjoyed other bands. I've said for a long time, like when it comes to the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, I'm a Rolling Stones gal. But I think I'd been really stagnant with the Stones for a, for a while. And like Warner said, this sort of brought me out of that into a another realm of appreciation for the Beatles that I really, really needed. And so this documentary came at the right time. And the music that you've been playing nonstop since the documentary came out came at the right time. And I'm just really grateful for that. So, um, yeah, God bless the Beatles. God bless everything they've given to us because it's probably more than we deserve. God bless you out there for listening to the Morgan You Know Podcast Network. God bless Mr. Record and Gig Guy Warner for taking some time out of their busy schedules to jump on here and wax philosophical about the Beatles. My name is Rod Morgan. This podcast was produced by Jimmy Jamriska, and we will be back sometime very soon when there's something else pop culture-wise that needs to be chopped up on the Morganino Podcast Network. Till the next time, that's the Morganino.